Have you literally had anything in your entire life to talk about as interesting as this episode? Um, I, and is there even anything to talk about other than it? And should we even bother? I would assume that episode 11 is my answer. And then after that, yeah, it will be okay, episode okay. 12. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely with you, but each. But as those things have not happened yet. Yeah, I mean, I just. Uh, I. Uh, uh, hot takes. This show's so good. <laughs> this show's very good. I'm pretty sure it might be my favorite TV show. Of all time? It's like really good. Um, well, this is just a, an aside. So um, I messaged you, Josh. This P, P and Josh, Tano Boys. And oh, yeah, Tano Boys. With streaming... Whenever you, you know, go and watch an episode of anything, it then immediately cues something else up, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, after this is done, it'll cue up episode 11. But for me, and I think for everybody, it cues up the Clone Wars movie. Yeah, it takes it from the top. So, I watched it, and I watched, like, I don't know, half of it. And Mm -hmm. it is just insane at the difference in quality in just in, what is it, 13 years, 12 years? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Well, no, uh, that came out, what, 2007? Maybe it was 2006? Yeah, it might have been 2006. um, No. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's just insane. It's like day and night. It's honestly, there's a stupid trend. Sorry, there's the stupid trend of people posting their high school yearbook photos for like high school oh, seniors yeah. <laughs> as if like yeah. any high school senior wants to see like your terrible haircut <laughs> and your motivational <laughs> quote, which is just like the same Muhammad Ali yeah, quote. Definitely makes them feel better. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, sh- it's not about you. Stop making it about you. Mom, dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you kind of see, you know, by and large, I've never seen your high school photo, Josh. You look, I look exactly the same. You Slightly look, less buff. Your style is much better, though. Like, like I would assume that... I don't know that it's that different. Really? T-shirt and okay. jeans, man. I've been t-shirt and jeans for a long time. <laughs> okay. But for most people, they're, what they, how they dress now, how they act now, is completely different. Like, maybe they... Um, found an acne treatment that worked out for them. Maybe they have like a better haircut than they used to have. Um, they no longer have a dopey smile or, you know, they're not wearing like a big baggy suit or something. When I was watching Star Wars, the Clone Wars, I immediately thought of that. Like here, mm-hmm. you know, the it's Clone the Wars. Photo yeah. Clone Wars. Or it's kind of like the other difference is like in quality of like video game too. Like, you, you go back to all this nostalgia of like Mario 64, um, wind, not wind Waker. Well, maybe wind Waker Ocarina of time. Right. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I wish games were as good as that. And then you go back and it's like, what? <laughs> like the definition, the detail is just, it's astronaut. The diff, it's like night and day. It, it, it's such mm-hmm. a huge, huge difference. And like these are the same people that are working on these project projects, so it just kind of shows you the leaps and bounds that the industry has made over these twelve, thirteen years. 
Yeah, and I, I think that that is there's something to be said for that kind of being the mission statement of of Lucasfilm in general and of George Lucas and his involvement with film. He is always, I think, it's a higher priority for him than a lot of uh, directors that that he push the technology forward and that he exactly. make advances in filmmaking technology. And I think you can really see that spirit and that, that ingenuity that you, you know, you go back and you read about the making of the original trilogy or making the prequel trilogy. And for better or worse, what your opinion of it is, all the things he did for, for digital environments and green screen use and things like that. And that legacy is very much being carried forward with Clone Wars and all the innovations they're making in the animation for that. I mean, this, this episode, there were, I, it, it's so strange because it's, it's like they thwarted the uncanny valley in that it's still always clearly animation in terms of how the characters look, but like it, yeah, felt real. I like I, I felt I was there, and I was like, well, it, "Get him, Ahsoka! Get him!" <laughs> well, there's there's two things in it that really, in this episode in particular, really push it towards a sense of realism. One of them is something that they've been using throughout season seven so far, which is they are um, digitally recreating camera lenses in such a way that the show has a depth of field now, like the things in the foreground and the background and what is in and out of focus is, is digitized in such a way. And like the first shot of this episode, when it cuts back to Ahsoka holding her lightsabers uh-huh. in, the, in the tunnels there, yeah. just the, the way the foreground and the, the way the background uh, kind of obscures into, into blurriness, the further back it goes and stuff like there's the depth of field of it. It makes it, it makes it feel like it's shot with a real camera and in turn makes it feel like it was a real set. Like people are really there. And then when you combine that, let's get too far ahead of ourselves with like, but that mocap for instance, where there's just real weight and gravity to the movement, uh, being captured on screen. It's just, uh, it's, it's spectacular. And it also to add on to that first scene there, it, there's gravity added into the scene. So, like, she's heaving, she's clearly, like, her body's moving up and down as she, like, flexes to get ready to defend Mm -hmm. herself. And when they start chasing Maul and his Mandalorians through that tunnels, they also make sharp corners where they have to slow down a little bit and then turn and pivot to run down those corridors, which is just something that if you look it, like in the Clone Wars movie, and I, I enjoy it. Um, oh, same. I, yeah. I have great fondness for that movie. It honestly looks like they're sliding. Like when they're walking, it's just like a set piece sliding on a blank, like flat surface. It. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It, I think. Go ahead. It looks like the art that um, they show of like the concept art. Oh, like the pre-visual stuff? The, the, the pre-visual. It looks like that not quite as bad but um, right. it it's just an absolutely insane the oh yeah leaps and bounds that they've made yeah i mean i would say even as late as star wars rebels um some of the running animation in characters has always stuck out to me as as yeah feeling like a little a little floaty um uh, like it's never awful i was never throwing up about her or anything but sometimes when characters would run yeah it was they, they felt a little light on their feet in a way that what's been so bad in star Wars that you've actually thrown up from it. Um, Jabba the Hutt. 
Oh yeah, that, that's one hundred percent. Yeah, the yep, yep. final act of Rise of Skywalker. Um, I can't watch Spaceballs. <laughs> oh yeah, I think you now, I've, I've talked about this multiple times. Like I, Pizza the Hut. I like I can't. I honest. I have to walk out of the room. I've never been able to finish that movie. Wow. Sounds like we have to do a commentary track when we finally get a Patreon. Yeah, I'm sure all of our listeners would love to hear me <laughs> hurling in the background. And I, of course, am a sympathetic vomiter, so I would probably throw up too. And you would... Oh, no, or you, have, you have to hold my hair back. My long locks mm. from uh, quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah, I didn't... I didn't pay particular animation to the running in this episode. I'll have to go back and look at it. But the fact that it didn't jump out at me probably speaks. Oh, to well, going it's improvement. We're skipping all around. They yeah. do. I, I feel like it's a homage to the Kylo Luke standoff in Last Jedi at the end when they just keep showing the footwork that Ahsoka does as she runs up and chases Maul on the roof, the like below the rooftop of that Mandalorian city. Mm-hmm. And the flashback or the crate crate, the battle on crate. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, because they show, you know, the running to, you know, show the difference in how Luke is a force ghost, but, Oh yeah. 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 And that's, that was immediately what I thought of as they're showing Ahsoka running on those beams. Also to show just like how much um, dexterity she has, how she's using the force to maintain her balance in this in the final scene of that episode. Yeah, and man, when Maul is walking away, and then you get that blue light behind him, and it shows her with her both her lightsabers uh, posed on that beam. Oh my gosh, that was badass as hell. Um, I this is that was really cool too because. Mandalore has always had this really unique and interesting and like oddly suspended geometric architecture. I mean, going back to season two and the the design for Mandalore and that whole aesthetic is um, derived from concept art for episode three and sort of a glass city and all the see through levels and things like that. But uh, for what for, for what for what planet in episode three? Don't know. Interesting. Don't know. Okay. Don't know. It may have just been an Order sixty six plan or something like that. Oh, okay. If you go back to the season two bonus features for Clone Wars for that Mandalore arc, they talk about it. Um, and to That's a, this is a deep dive, Josh, that you're doing. Well, this is just things I remember because I have a priority of thought. Uh, the I can't remember my girlfriend's them, birthday, but <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't remember your birthday. But I remember my girlfriend's birthday. Do you remember your birthday? Uh, whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, they really, like, I think maybe to uh, a viewer who just is leaping in on this episode, that where that final fight goes is perhaps a little preposterous or just like this architecture makes no sense, but it's been there all along. It's always been these domes and desert has always been that kind of wild architecture to it. And to really see it exploited here for an action sequence I mean, when they go up in that dome and on that those those beams, like if you go to a lot of arena shows, like concerts and stuff, a lot of times you'll see people up in the rafters working on the lighting rigs and stuff okay. like that. And it definitely it made me think of that. But it, oh man, that was wild. That was it, so freaking wild. At, at, at this point, I feel like they have done more to explain Mandalore 
than they have explored of Coruscant. Like, over the course of yeah. um, multiple Star Wars projects, like in Rebels, you know, we see outside the dome, and we see mm-hmm. um, a military base that's not connected to the dome city. Mm-hmm. And I think it was also very importantly, we're getting, you know, Mandalore has a history and a culture in a way that Coruscant doesn't. Or hasn't been explained to. Right, yeah. right, exactly, exactly. Um, what a freaking episode. I have so, so many notes. Um, let's nope, see. number just, one. Start... Oh, this is so yeah. good. <laughs> number two, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start off with this. Uh, earlier this week, you know, we've been talking about how before this arc happens and after the last time we see Maul, there's a comic book called Son of Dathomir that kind of fills in the gap. And yeah, was, we, we weren't going to talk about it, too, but I feel like we kind of have to. Well, a little bit, but I I thought about, I've been doing a lot of reading in quarantine. I had a gap in books, and I thought about going back to revisit Son of Dathomir to familiarize with my, myself with it again for these episodes. And then I decided I didn't want to do that, and that I wanted to let the episode speak for itself and let the Clone Wars speak for itself and not rely on the crutch of that comic book that reality is most of the people watching this are not going to read and have not read. Um, and so with that in mind, they do sort of reference it in this episode and it's kind of a one-off line. Well, they debunked my prediction um, too, where they, which it was, which is Saxon rescues Maul from Dooku, which pretty much means that, Sidious, we don't know Sidious's ultimate plan for Maul, but Maul mm-hmm. being in charge of the syndicate is not according to Sidious's grand plan right now. Right. Which is fair, but at the same time, I would argue Palpatine, Darth Sidious, most powerful man of the freaking galaxy, little idiot's going to be alive for another 50 freaking years, uh, is bested by. Gar Saxon, the guy who gets taken out by the clones in this episode. I, I think I think Palpatine probably, if he wanted Maul, he could get him. I think it goes against Palpatine's plan. I think, you know, Palpatine probably would have taken him out, but I think with his long game, I suspect, much like many of the scenarios he concocts for himself, it's a win-win. In one way or another, there are positives for him. Okay. And with Maul out in the wild, freed from him, he's still perhaps able to see Darth Maul. Maul is going to be more of a thorn in the side of my enemies than he will be a thorn in the side of me. And that calculation also might change, too. And maybe he's willing to take that risk. In a mm-hmm. world of no Jedi. So, like, in a world of Jedi in the Republic, he is a distraction from what... Palpatine is trying to do in a world where Palpatine has the full authority, all of the power, then he can start focusing his attention on Darth Maul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it just speaks to like, yeah, I think, yeah, that Maul can, is a wild card that proves to be more of a thorn in the side of the Jedi for him and and then for him and that also he knows that Maul has this maybe Kenobi vendetta that he's and and perhaps he's expecting once this is all said and that it could chip away once this is all said and done I would really love for somebody to go back and grab a transcript of every single dialogue of Maul 
over the course of animation and then how many mm-hmm. words that Ray Park said in episode one. And I'd love to see a side by side where it's like, well, of course, three words. And then fact is Ray, Ray Park, of course, said no words. Right, 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 right. Um, Peter Serafinowicz. Oh, my gosh. Um, who is the yes. he, what is he from? The tick. Yeah, he's the tick. That's right. And he's in Guardians of the Galaxy, the first and one. He's in Parks and Rec. So he says, At last we will reveal ourselves. At last we'll have our revenge. That's his big line. He has, like, he actually does have one other line, at least. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, and that, okay, that's a good pivot to one of my notes here. Sassy Maul. He got, he got. Yeah, real sassy. Well, he pointed know, out it's it, has he always been sassy? Or since his legs got cut off, was he sassy? Or since he got beat up last arc that he was in, did he get sassy? He, he's very he's been sassy. Sassy patoots a couple of times. Um mm-hmm. he was sassy with like Assage, I believe, at certain points. Mm. And then I think he's he even sits sassy when he's sitting on that throne. He's sitting very sassy. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I killed your sister. Why don't you calm down and worship me? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm sure we have all kinds of mutual friends. OK, sass alert. Calm down. Hey, you're a Sith Lord, not a sass Lord. Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, there, there have been some absolutely great lines in in these two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one, um, that one's really good. And then um, we'll, when we get into the throne room scene, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I will also say Darth Mumble over here. I did have to, I did watch this. I watched this episode three times. The second time I watched it, I did watch it with subtitles because he gets a little, he gets a little mush mouthy sometimes when he's, Oh, I'm talking very deep. I'm talking very evil things. And uh, I'm obviously hanging on literally every word of these episodes because I'm a dork. And so I need to know, like, every, like the amount of nuance and interpretation I'm putting on every line of dialogue is at an all-time high. So it's important that I hear word for word what everyone is saying. Uh, and for instance, at one point... When he is interrogating the clone, um, he says, clones bred for combat. But I at first thought he said, clones pratfall combat. As if, oh, this is all a farce. This whole war is a farce. And I thought, that's that's weird. Pratfall? Pratfalls exist in, in Star Wars? They don't. You know, he, he said bred for combat. But there's a few... You know, he's so sassy and he mumbles a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's just a matter of where you watch it and stuff. So for me, I just watch it on my iPad with my headphones in. So I didn't really mm-hmm. get any of that mumbling. But I also like my headphones are noise canceling. So it's literally the only thing I can hear is what's happening in the episode. Um, mm-hmm. I... What a nice brag. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I come from wealth and I have, I flex, I got drip, 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 drop with the headphones uh, pop. And ugh. that sucks, but um, it also is a good excuse to watch it. I mean, we're recording on Sunday. This came out Friday and both of us have already watched it three times. Yeah, every day since it came out. Yeah. I will watch this every day until the show is done. I... I mean, I gotta say, my my third villi- viewing this morning 
when this last lightsaber sequence was happening at the top of the dome, I was just going, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. No, so for me, uh-huh. and we've talked about this on on um, previous episodes. When I rewatch something, I don't watch it in its entirety. I start watching the parts that I really, really right. enjoy. So I watched. <laughs> right. No shame about fast forwarding for. for yeah. Pete. So I watched the first two. I watched it twice in the, uh, fully. And then right before we, re- mm-hmm. we recorded, I watched the start of the throne room. And then that's, okay. that's, you know, I think that might go down as like one of the top three lightsaber duels in the entire, um, franchise. I ha- I'll, I'll have to, it, it definitely, it definitely is top yeah. five, top five for sure. Um, but Oh, for sure. I mean, right now at the top of my head, the only one I'm thinking of as in competition with it is the throne room in last Jedi. And oh, really? Okay. See, I w- perhaps one or two other Clone Wars lightsaber. See, battles. I was gonna say Duel of the Fates um, mm-hmm. is up there for sure. And then, um, and this kind of gives you a transition to what uh, you should give an update on the Ray <laughs> Kylo um, bridge scene is one of my favorites. Uh, At the ocean, yeah. is just mm-hmm. that that scene was one of the highlights of that movie. So I don't want to hop off of um, ragging on Darth Maul because I do have one more thing I want to make fun of him for, and it's the biggest thing. But yeah, quick update on that. I I have continued my weekly viewing of Rise of Skywalker. I was up till two in the morning yesterday, so that was a uh, weekly viewing number four. Uh, I will say one of the things I've discovered. I, I do like the battle in the ocean. I think the one thing that irks me a little bit is just Ray getting really tired at the end of it. Felt weird. I mean, I can believe it. She's under a lot of emotional stress and, you know, has been hopping all around. But, like, the, just that she gets tired like that is so strange to me. I don't know. Um, I have found that my favorite lightsaber battle in that movie is actually the one that they have uh, when she's in his room and he's on Kajimi. And the way that it intercuts between the two locations and stuff like that, I've I've really become fond of that uh, lightsaber battle. I think it was really well done. They talk about in the making of for it, how they did like the whole choreographed battle in the set on the set for Kylo Ren's chambers. And then they're like, okay. And then we're going to do pickups on the Kaijimi set. It's just, it's just pickup, but they essentially had to do the whole battle over again. And it was very cold and people were miserable, I guess, but I really <laughs> like that battle. Uh, I like had to pretend like that one of them was not on Kajimi. Right. Um, I also really, I, you know, I really like the battle at the end of episode three, the emotional stakes of it really hit for me. Yeah. I don't care for the Yoda versus Palpatine battle at the end of episode three, but the Obi-Wan Anakin battle. I know there's people, oh, it's so overdone, it's so over choreographed, you know, whatever. No, that, that episode um, three, Anakin, Obi-Wan is definitely up on that list. But I, the, the thing that ga- gave me goosebumps every, all three times is just the manipulation Ahsoka does of her two lightsabers. Like when she turns her short blade into both of them in the forward position and she's like, Uh like attacking him, like, like drumsticks where she's, you know, moving side and side and side pressed down. She's like holding herself up by pushing her lightsabers onto his. Yeah. And she's like 
don't know, but and for me, the coolest freaking thing that she does is when she pulls her other lightsaber back to her like a like a spear, like blade first, as if launching it at Maul to stab him. That on top of that was also freaking love a it. like. <laughs> It seems like every single Jedi just wants to pull an Obi-Wan where they cut him in half, which is why she was doing yeah. that. And then, you know, she does her level of sass of like, you would get destroyed by Anakin if you were yeah. if you yeah. were to actually go up against him. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let me rag on Darth Maul one more thing here real quick. Obviously, I love Maul. There's just some funny stuff. Uh, they literally got this guy. Saying to me, according to my calculations, bro, come on. I didn't know Darth Maul wore glasses with tape to hold them together. According according to my calculations, they had him say, according to my calculations. There's not another phrase I could have used. Uh, According to my calculations. Well, I mean, and I've, I've said this at least once on the pod. Darth Maul is a dork. He's a huge dork. I think actually might be. And it's it, it looks pretty clear that he's taking advantage of those free master classes that are currently being offered. Oh, sure, sure. When he says, <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, um, justice is merely a construct of the current power base. Yeah. The current power base. A base which, according to my calculations, is about to change, Ahsoka Tano, Lady Uh, Tano. Maybe that's uh, why he calls her Lady Tano, because he's an absolute mega dork. (laughs) And this actually goes back to my most recent viewing of Rise of Skywalker, where I had a realization, uh, much like Maul, turns out, may actually be a dork. I had this weird uh, epiphany. Watching Rise of Skywalker for the sixth time. I think the Knights of Ren might be goobers. Um, I mean, they... I think they might just be straight-up goobers, actually. They are definitely psychopath goobers. If you... The visual, are they or are the they visual just dictionary kind of... And, wow. Provides yeah. all this background that... I just really and don't honestly, care about... That background makes them seem like dorks. Yeah, it's like... Oh, we kill somebody and then we take their stuff. It's just like, like we got the one who's who's the sharpshooter, and so he has blinders on the side of his helmet. Bro, you are a goober. Yeah, it's just like that is some goober like, stuff. Okay, why don't you? I don't know, build something yourself, buy it. Like you have the resources. <laughs> why don't you fix your ship? It's like showing black exhaust the entire time. I do the, like that. Uh, I like that the ignition or the the engines on their ship kind of look like the unstable red of Kylo Ren's lightsaber. So the poli sci major in me did like the justice is a construct line. Power base. Um, I did. <laughs> I mean, don't, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, yeah, okay, he's right, but I don't know. Don't get me a dork about yeah, it. Yeah, and it's another thing too is how many you know political how many um, political conversations do you think Maul gets right like. The only people he hangs out with Very are Olmec, true. who's a kiss ass, the Syndicate, yeah. and um, we can talk about the, that Syndicate scene in a second. And they're just yes. people he's bossing around, so he probably doesn't get good conversations like this. So 
Yeah, he's like your uncle who finally comes to Thanksgiving and he's like, all right, now I'm going to, I got all these opinions and I'm going to let loose, baby. <laughs> you would not believe what my opinion what is on Clorox. Clorox. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was uh, quite a little conversation. Freaking according to my calculations. Speaking of all mech real quick. Uh, I appreciate that his last words and Yoda's last words get to be the same. And oh they are also said very similarly. Sky. I can't believe you made that connection. And then I think even the music there, I think even the music there is a little bit of an allusion to Yoda's death. Well, let's talk about the inclusion of the film's music. Cause when they have this the the scene on the rooftop like the 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 beams there are the, yeah. there are a bunch of references to duel of the fates right i i caught at least one for sure i know they've referenced duel of the fates in other moments with maul particularly i think when he first comes back in the season 4 finale revenge i'm pretty sure there's some pretty definitive duel of the fates quotes there but yeah i I caught a whiff of it as well during that Mm -hmm. sequence so that was something that was pretty cool they're showing these um different combinations of kevin kiner's score which is unique in in and of itself and then adding Mm -hmm. and bringing it into the wider star wars picture yeah and I think Kevin Kiner really shined in this episode. Watching it a third time this morning, I think my big takeaway was he has some really inspired stuff going on in a lot of the quieter um, exposition scenes, like when Maul is talking about his vision and, and his plans and stuff. There's this really kind of low, uh, synthy kind of thing. It's not it's not traditional Star Wars sounds that you would think. It fits in great though, and it really brings this sense of dread to the proceedings. I don't know. He, he really knocked it out of the park this episode uh, with some, some original music that really helped the quieter moments. So let's, let's do a shift. Um, to, I have a prediction. Okay. And let's talk about this scene um, that I have a prediction with. Mm-hmm. The scene is where Obi-Wan is in the throne room and they're doing logistics. And then oh, on the throne room over hologram. Grand, yeah, they're right? in the, they're they're in the in throne room, and then he's yeah. on a holocron, and they you know he he pro- provides um, some background like we think Sidious started the Clone Wars, blah 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 blah, mm-hmm. and provides a time for when yeah, this is occurring. After this is during episode during three. Episode now, thre- though, cold open of episode three has occurred. During episode three, he is being sent to Utapau, and Anakin has yes. been told to. Um, spy, spy and he has answer. killed Dooku. All of this has occurred right. um, by that, which makes mm-hmm. sense because they were going to Coruscant to rescue Palpatine. Right. Um, right. What did you think about that Obi Ahsoka interaction? Because I, I, I'm trying. I was trying to think about that watching the first like hour. It's, it's a lot to think about actually. The first hour mm-hmm. of Clone Wars the movie. It's not like they ever got an episode where it was just the two of them. Like, sure, they were in the same area a lot, but the -hmm. interaction between the two of them has never really been something that they focused on. 
This is true, but at the same time, like, the two of them went through everything on Mortis together, which is a pretty big, profound series of events. Um, they've definitely been in some tight spots and some major moments together. But yeah, the, the two of them don't necessarily have... Like, their relationship is not as important to say Ahsoka and Rex or Ahsoka and yeah. Anakin or Ahsoka and freaking Lux Terry or whoever. Um, that It was a... It was an interesting scene to me because I still am not totally sure I understand what he's trying to get at. Um, and I do think last week I was editing slash listening to last week's episode while I was working out and practicing piano. Aren't I interesting? And first off, boy, we really sound like we need Hobbies brag. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you but, have hobbies. Uh, That's great. <laughs> well, I was more, I, to me it more felt like, oh, wow, what a dork I am. Um, in last week's episode, I mentioned that Obi-Wan is sort of a, an agent of the status quo. And this sort of felt like that in terms of like, he is only willing to go so far himself. Um, but so he, he tells Ahsoka, like, it'd be good if you talk to him, the council can be wrong. And so for one, I want to, I'm trying to figure out what does he want her to talk to him about? What does he want her to tell him? And, you know, obviously there's an attack. Their conversations get cut short. So maybe he was about to elaborate a little more. Um, The second thing is, in true Star Wars fashion, she says, tell Anakin. And then he cuts her off and says, I will. Um, Something going on said there, but understood. Um, Is is this sort of a riff on the Han Solo thing of I, I love you, I know? In terms of, you know, she's going to tell him, you know, tell Anakin I care about him or, you know, tell Anakin I love him or whatever, you know. And he says, I will, to cut her off. And if that is the case, why is Star Wars perpetuating this myth? That's not cool to say I love you people. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. I think that <laughs> Obi-Wan honestly wanted Ahsoka to talk Anakin down. Like... In which direction? Like, because he says the council can be wrong. So does she want him to, yeah, I mean, I guess talk him down, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. What does he want from her? I, I honestly think it's just to calm him down um, in that he knows that Ahsoka is not going to um, ramp things up and be like, oh, you should leave the order. Oh, you should do this and that. Right. Um, I had not really. Like, is she just to serve as someone for Anakin to potentially vent to? Yeah, that's, she that's what I think. She hits up Anakin, and Anakin's like, you won't believe what, yeah, you won't believe what they're asking me to do, and then she'll say, you're right, I don't believe, and that's bad, and I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, I, so, I think we're led to, here's, here, first, let's do my prediction, okay? And so far, my one prediction so far has been proven not true. I think, I'm hoping that we get to see Ahsoka in the end of episode three where it's Obi-Wan bail and Yoda witnessing, you know, mm-hmm. them all pass like um, Padme pass away and she gets there just at mm-hmm. the end. I don't think that's going to necessarily be the case because mm-hmm. of the book um, that, that wow. I don't know about that book anymore. Uh, um, but th- I want to, I want to see some interaction and some acknowledgement that, Ahsoka, or you know what? If if not that, at least I would like to see Ahsoka seeing the beacon of Obi Wan saying, "Go away." The Jedi Order have right. have um, 
which we see in yeah. the Rebels premiere. The Holocron. Yeah. Um, gosh, a lot to talk about there. Uh, yeah, I... Yeah, I... Mentioning the Ahsoka book brings up some stuff um, without giving anything away to anyone who hasn't read that book. All of our listeners. I think this episode is... This episode is pretty close to um, contradicting it in terms of specifics. There, There's a way things go down that is recounted in the book that unless some stuff in this episode is undone and redone next week is not how it ended up going down. So that's interesting. It contradicts that, which I would argue was inevitable. Okay, I'm, I'm like curious. Was end up. We'll have to come back to this after episode 12. Yeah. Because I don't think that it's really contradicted anything yet. Um, it hasn't contradicted anything broad. It has contradicted, let's say, action sequences um, in the way things occurred. I think next week will the story will probably progress far enough along that I will be able to uh, ascertain that it has passed the events that that book in the sequence I'm talking about would reasonably cover, and at which point I'll, I'll talk about. We're talking way too abstractly for this to be I mean. entertaining. So let's let's let, yeah let's. I disagree. <laughs> let's let's um, push that. Um, let's yeah. talk about the state of the Mandalorians and kind of mm-hmm. where we think that they are going to be going leading into Episode Three, because we know at this point that um that tribe or clan that Bo-Katan is a part of is the one that rescues um, Mando. Um, and th- They were. That yeah, that's already, a, that's occurred, already occurred. And then we know yeah. at one point in Rebels that Gar Saxon is the controlling interest in um, right. Mandalore. But after this episode, yeah, the kind of imperial. After this there. episode, he's seen as an enemy of the state. Mm-hmm. But the state is obviously about to rapidly change. Right, but they were siding. You know, the the Republic, the clones were siding with Bo-Katan. So um, mm-hmm. I really like the point where Rex is like, "We're not a police state. We do not want to be a police force." And I feel like that is mm-hmm. kind of a hint of what is going to occur. Like, yes, they are going to, uh, be the police force and that's going to be how they take over Mandalore. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. It's also, there's a lot of interesting Mandalorian stuff in this. And I say that in terms of the people in their fictional history, as well as the show, the Mandalorian, uh, quick reference. You have Bo-Katan using the whistling birds in that elevator thing. That was, Oh uh, yeah. I didn't even really know. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm I'm really excited um, to see if we're going to see the energy shield in season two of The Mandalorian. I don't think we are. Oh, yeah, I don't know. And we definitely got plenty of flamethrower. But to me, the big Mandalorian thing, uh, the sort of tragedy of it is you have Maul in the gutter. He calls it the gutter anyway, getting those people ramped up. And he ultimately abandons them, of course, in this episode. He tells Gar Saxon, yeah, peace out, I'm done. But he he gets them pumped up by saying, you're warriors. You don't belong here hiding out in the gutter. Uh, and then, of course, circumstances evolving and, and history playing out, that is exactly where they wind up. Um, and as we see them in The Mandalorian, the show, they're all living in the gutter. Yeah, but hiding. not not the people uh, that he was referencing because they become the control. 
Yeah. Well, obviously, a lot of time yeah. passes, but Mandalorians in general and their Ends culture in, the in general, yeah. um, pursuing that and pursuing that more warrior type thing is one of many variables that, that winds up, you know, leading to them in that circumstance. Um, and with Dave Filoni behind both shows, I think that that statement is, is rightfully a, a loaded statement and that there is purpose to, um, to him pointing that out. Uh, no dark saber. I'm sure that that's explained in the son of Dathomir book where that ends up, but he doesn't have the dark saber right now. He get, when he gets captured by Palpatine, he, he was, he was wielding the dark saber. And then I think he doesn't have it in rebels. Because it's it, he, uh, Sabine finds it on uh, in his little cave on Dathomir, yeah, okay, Dathomir, yeah. He must have just so, hidden it, like, yeah. oh, no, they're no, gonna no. get me, they're gonna get me. All right, yeah. hide, hide my stash, hide my stash. Yeah. <laughs> no, mom, I don't have yeah, it. So. Also, we are a safe for work podcast. We were, what we're talking about is our stash of Oreos. Um. Oh, I'm talking about my stash of um, goji berries and, other and elderberries snack. that I make into a shake um, because, mm-hmm. as you all know, protein shakes are disgusting. So it's nice to add a little bit of flavor into it um, when you're trying to do those sweet, sweet gains. Yeah, I usually just do goji berries and raw chicken and chocolate milk. Um, and that's about all and the pro my listen, body can handle. Listeners, you might be thinking, oh, I want to try that. Do not. Yeah, don't do it. What we're suggesting is something that has been practiced by our bodies, which are basically subhuman at this point because we are so, so swole. So when you might be thinking, oh, let's do that raw chicken, elderberries, etc., you have to go through mm-hmm. the 30-step process for your body to physically be in the condition to do that. And if you would like to know our workout routine, poboyspodcast at gmail.com, do not attempt what mm-hmm. we are talking about until you email us and get on the 30-step program. Yeah, the, uh, the Poboys uh, Fight for Hashtag life, for the K. fans. Um, hashtag for the fans. Hashtag 2020. And I know there's another part of the fitness program named Poboys. Our, uh, 401, something, our 401k. Yeah, I don't know. Boy, we have just such a huge umbrella. I've got a couple other things to talk about. One thing, the mind reading. Maul using the, his, you know, I'm holding my hand up like Kylo Ren, reading your mind. Development of that was kind of fun just in terms of it's something we see first in Force Awakens. And then after Kylo Ren does it in Force Awakens, we see Maul do it in Rebels. Um, and then now we're seeing him do it here in Clone Wars. So it's sort of uh, moved backward is, in time. It is interesting to see, too the different techniques the Jedi and the Sith use. So like, I feel like the Jedi equivalent is mind manipulation of, you know, Ahsoka using mm-hmm. it in mm-hmm. the Martez sisters arc. Obi-Wan uses it in new hope, you know, multiple people have used it throughout. And I would imagine it's kind of the same thing, but in terms of extracting information as opposed to forcing your yeah. will onto somebody. Yeah, Jedi's is doing Inception. Yeah. So it's not um, dreams it's not any dreams. better. If if anything, it's it's more of a no. violation. <laughs> no. Being told what to do. One's one's more aggressive, yeah. I guess. Uh yeah, that's an interesting point. I never thought about it in terms of the Jedi mind trick. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Um 
let's see what order to talk about these big kind of things. We last week we talked about, uh, for lack of a better word, the orange face on a clone helmet. Yeah, how look? How they paint their? It looks real good. So it was just sort of a funny bit that I brought up last week. I just I I mean as anything serious, just like ha ha. But I will say I did actually end up thinking about it a little bit more this week when there's all these clones that are taken out by Maul and Ahsoka goes down and there's a wounded clone trooper and she's like trooper it's Sterling right your name's Sterling and he's like yes it is Sterling and he's like oh that's impressive Ahsoka can tell them apart and and I do have to say in terms of a group of people who are painting their helmets to look like the face of someone who has a different uh-huh. skin color than them uh, I think the clones would have a unique perspective on that sort of thing and on stereotypes and on uh, things like that because they are literally all the same. Like, who would be more stereotyped than a clone? I mean, they literally do all look alike. They have the same face. They're the same person. And so I do think that that might lend a unique perspective on their part to things like paying your helmet to look like somebody's face. And that... They get maybe a little wiggle room with that. Uh huh. Just saying. Um, it is. I mean, it's they reference this in like the mid part of the episode that Maul can tell which one of the clones is the oldest. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just like a forest thing where like. Oh, I think he hurt his knees. He could hear him creaking. <laughs> um, but I think it's the same. Like Maul being able to tell the age of them is something through the force just like Ahsoka can tell that they're each individuals through the force. They're not just Mm -hmm. this like monolith is kind of my understanding of it. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. Like she would have a different sort of gut feeling associated with, with each of them. Interesting. That's a good point. Um, Dryden boss, quick boss, Marge, Krim and Zaiton Maj. Um, I cannot believe that they named the, yeah. They're all they, named? Guess which one Marge is? <laughs> the Pike? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. I'm, I'm glad Marge. they did all name they them. Named, they I named, had a note here. <laughs> Marge. Hey, it's, oh no, it's Marge Krim. Oh my gosh. <laughs> sounds like a Harry Potter character. Um, no, it sounds like a Bob's Burger character. I've never watched it. Um, I saw... I saw an article on a less than reputable comic book sort of related news site. It's one of these sites that just turns out clickbait as quick as they can get it being like, Oh, Clone Wars, you know, canonizes shadows of the empire. And like, Oh look, there's a green guy with a ponytail. So that means he's Prince Zizor, the villain from shadows of the empire. That means shadow of the empire is canon. And I'm looking, I didn't even know the guy's name, but like he is very clearly the same guy who's in the season five arc. as part of the syndicate. Like it's clearly not, Prince Zizor. So, I don't know. Shut up. You're wrong. Uh, according, You're stupid. Do your homework before you go post that kind of stuff. According to the Clone Wars wiki, this character was in the arcs where um, the joining the Shadow Collective, where Savage... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah so he's, he's in those episodes. Yeah. So, no Zizor. Thank you very much. But we do get Dryden Voss looking more like General Hux yeah, I, than Dryden I, Voss. I had to take a, like a double take. I'm like, who the hell is that? And I'm like, oh, interesting. 
Yep, another blink and you'll miss it cameo a la Caleb Dune last week. And at this point, too, Dryden, so Dryden's the head of Crimson Dawn, and mm-hmm. Solo has not happened. Because Solo happens, like, right. Kira joins probably, let's say, like, five years later or something. I'm trying um, to th- yeah. They, they do actually put the timeline on it. Because when he goes to oh, I'm when sure. he goes to Mimbon, um, that mud planet, mm-hmm. they do mm-hmm. I think a time jump, um, right? And they say what the time jump is, but I'm not remembering it 100. percent No, I I used to remember how far I think. Well, I want to. It's like five or ten years after Revenge of the Sith. I think I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, there's there's some time passes. Dragon Boss age as well. Um, so I guess the last stuff I have is all kind of broad stroke finale stuff. Um, I guess the big thing I want to talk about is the backbone of this whole arc becomes Maul had a vision and Maul is now of the understanding that Anakin Skywalker has been groomed to be Sidious' new right, apprentice. Right, 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 right. Um, and it was, I found it curious just like, why Maul? Why would Maul have this vision? And what is he... Why would he be the one that finally gets this information? But it it's telling, I think, that him and Ahsoka are the ones that end up face-to-face here because they're both former Jedi, former well, Sith, and they've been... Outcasts. Right, they've been extricated from the situation. And we see Ahsoka go through it in this Martez arc, and we get that her perception of things is warped by being able to look at it from the outside. And Maul, same thing, he's been, he's been extricated, he's no longer an active player in this game and he can look at it from the outside <clears throat> something that he says to her as a way to try and convince her to join his cause mm-hmm. and yeah i think it goes to show that like the force is not beyond divulging this information like that there are clues and hints here and that it is not beyond the grasp of a force user to be able to ascertain the well, larger plan they, here but Again, the Jedi are so mired in this war and their own contradictions and hypocrisy. Well, they've that shown they're this multiple to times it. too. Um, in the Dooku audiobook, Sifo-Dyas has the vision mm. of what's going to occur. Mm-hmm. There's the um, Lost Episodes arc where the chip is found and they kind of realize what's happening and then he's taken out. Mm. And then the third one is in the fallen order with, um, the Jedi that they're trying to find his memoirs and stuff for the holocron. Um, mm. throughout that, I forget what his name is. Um, so yeah. there have yeah, been multiple times where, you know, certain characters around and they've kind of shared those stories, but they just haven't quite gone into that point yet. And when Ahsoka, right. You know, is about to the line. I love from this interaction, right? She like fights um, him because of what he said about her best friend. When he makes Mm -hmm. that line of, you know, you could have joined me. We could have taken, we could have, you know, saved everybody. We could have, Beat Sidious, Sidious. and then she says, just for you to replace him. And that Mm -hmm. logic makes perfect sense to me of, listen, I'm going to capture you because, you know, even if I do believe this, you were not doing this for the right purposes, and we're just going to have this problem 
even though we have the privilege of knowing what happens and we are like, you obviously should join Mm -hmm. him so that you can try and take out Sidious. But it makes perfect sense of why she said that. And I absolutely love that line. That's I'm glad you brought that up because that line to me initially was a leap um, in terms of like, I don't know, Maul thinking that he would have the ability to do that. But obviously he's very arrogant. He's Seth. He wants nothing but power. He's, you know, selfish and stuff. And that, that, that does make sense. And I think, again, it does speak to like Ahsoka here not being willing to bend her values to reach a goal. And that's something that the Jedi have been more than willing to do. Or, you know, the Jedi are bending their values left and right, but Ahsoka having extricated herself from that situation has learned to see a broader picture. And I think she's putting that that higher vantage point to use here. When she sees, you know, a clear path towards what she should want, taking down Sidious, but she's able to see, like, no, no, this isn't the right way. Um, so let's, I, her motives in this episode and, and how they progress are really interesting to me. Um, I want to talk about her big yes. She doesn't necessarily say, you know, yes, I'll join you. She says, I'll help you. And then she immediately asks, why do you want Skywalker? Why do you want it? Yeah. Why do you, and why, and, and multiple times in the episode, she's getting this inkling that Anakin is playing a larger mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. And so when she says, I will help you, is she bringing him closer to ask him that question? Or, is she implying like, yeah, okay, we're aligned in this. Our goals are the same. I think it references the fact that there is that Obi-Wan Ahsoka conversation of, listen, Dooku's dead. We need to get information. So she's like, yes, I'll help you because I, I need to get to Sidious. Mm-hmm. And I will try to have you talk information out so I can get that. So I don't think she was at any point going to 100% join Maul. But that was her ultimate intention, which, you know, is also shown when she refuses to let him die at the end of the episode because she needs that. The Republic needs that information. So it's to your mind an espionage kind of. Yes, 100 percent. Yeah, Interesting, because I'm also like had she said, yes, I will help you. What have you got planned for Anakin or what do you what do you want with Anakin? And his answer had been different. Uh-huh. Um, how would events have, have proceeded? And it, what, does she come into that room ready to fight? Does she know she's going to be fighting him in that room? Or is it him saying, oh, I'm going to kill Anakin. My plan is to kill Anakin. And that's when she's like, oh, okay, now I'm fighting. Um, I think that she definitely was like, there's no coming back from this. Like, any plan that he has involves killing Anakin and she's not going to allow that to occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. It's, it's, I mean, it's fascinating. And again, I, I think that the Clone Wars is a show that's proven itself worthy of this sort of discourse and worthy of me paying attention to these character interactions and wondering what their motivations are because the history is there and the writing is there and, and I trust the, the creative powers that be. And so I'm more inclined to really, really think about what a character is thinking when they do something than I am in 
perhaps movies I don't enjoy as much where I'm watching it and Karen makes a decision. I'm just like, I don't feel like analyzing this. It doesn't feel worth my time. Um, but yeah, it was that big yes was, was, was something. And I, I, I'll be thinking about that for a while. Um, the last big thing, we kind of talked about the mocap. I'll just say here, this laser rebel was insane. And that mocap was, you, it, it showed. It felt so fluid and real and really they knocked it out. Yeah, of the park. I agree. Um, what a freaking lightsaber battle. One, one, one thing, um, one thing I really loved about that lightsaber battle is, like I said, the different ways that she was manipulating her two lightsabers. Um, the mm-hmm. kicking him through the stained glass window and then her force jump was something that I really loved. Like, I think it, I felt like that force jump, it a had the, um, mm-hmm. sound that, um, Ray and Kylo had when they did their massive force jumps. And oh, just yeah, the yeah. fact okay. that, um, her confidence is not actually where she's at. Of uh, you know, she's being, you know, throwing the sass right back at him but she is like heaving she's catching her breath because she has not been in situations like this and uh in a while so her body is not up to uh, up to the task of where it used to be when she was engaging in battle after battle after battle right and i i'm glad you pointed that out as well as they do they do they make a point of stopping and having her be out of breath before she pursues him through the glass and it reminds me of all of a sudden ray's out of breath all of a sudden ray's very tired and it uh it is it's strange to me that it's just these two characters that decide we're going to show people get tired in a lightsaber battle it's going to be these two ladies that being said you know i i i can in my head validate both of them being exhausted at that moment. I also think though, and I'm always inclined to give Clone Wars a benefit of the doubt. And I do in this circumstance as well, uh, beyond the physical toll of, of going toe to toe with Maul here, there's also been like a huge bomb dropped on her of like something very bad is in the works for your dearest friend. Yeah. Like, he, he is in trouble. You are not near him. You cannot help him. You are doing this right now, and somewhere a very powerful, malevolent force is gunning for your friend. And so just everything that she's under in that sequence is is crazy. Emotionally, physically, it's, yeah, a lot to, lot to take on. And that brings us to that last freaking shot where she's staring out of the hole in the dome. Yeah. And I think a big part, I, I put a lot of weight on that shot, and I think a big part of it is the fact that they decided to end on that, and it seems like perhaps an arbitrary moment to end the episode, but um, in my head canon, I have a lot of thoughts about the sequence in episode three, where Anakin is left alone after telling Mace Windu that Palpatine is Sidious, uh-huh. and he's alone in the Jedi Council chambers, and he's looking out at the skyline of Coruscant. And then you have Padme in there in her apartment uh, looking towards him across the across the skyline. And they're both like very distressed and like this is bad. Something bad is happening and they can feel it. And they're looking at each other without even knowing it. And in my mind, when Soka is looking through that dome, that's happening. Like that's one moment to me that could be disproven next week. But emotionally, thematically, that's that is of a moment. And when she's looking out at that dome... Anakin's looking at Padme. Padme's looking oh, at Anakin. Oh, see, I have a different like, take on that. 
I view that as mm-hmm. in parts of epi- early in episode three, Yoda and Windu are both having the sense that the Jedi are going to end, mm-hmm. which is why Mace goes through that whole process and tries to kill Palpatine is they both are mm-hmm. sensing the end of the Jedi order. Now, Anakin, Obi-Wan to our knowledge are not having that same sense of dread. And because mm-hmm. Ahsoka has now been exposed to this theory, she's being, you know, told that everything is going to be happy. All these terrible things are going to happen. I think that when she's staring out into that, she's experiencing that same level of connection of the Jedi order are about to end. The dark is about to, uh, mm-hmm. overcome the light in terms of the balance of power, mm-hmm. not necessarily the Padme Anakin situation. And see, to my mind, those two takes aren't mutually exclusive. I think perhaps that same sense of dread is what Anakin and Padme are feeling in that moment. And that there's this moment of, perhaps the pivot between possibility and certainty. So you're just saying that they just don't have the background to kind of translate what they're feeling is the same thing as what Mace, Ahsoka and Yoda are feeling. Yeah. I think, I think it's a sense of doom that really comes home in that moment. Most, most personally and, and truly for Anakin, I mean, he is the pivot point. He is the the lever that turns and, and sets this all into motion. But I just, I think, yeah, to my mind, that's the same instant, and that there is in the force perhaps a a a point of no return that hits where this goes from being a possibility to a certainty, and that uh, there is there is a feeling in the force so much so that perhaps even Padme can feel it, or perhaps it's just her emotional empathy for her husband in that moment that she's able to feel it. Um, again, I, I put a lot of weight in that sequence in episode three. I have a lot of theories about it. I'm not going to talk about them. Um, but it's again, a, a loaded moment for me. And I, to my mind, when Ahsoka's looking out that, that it's all, that's all happening at once to me. Um, hopefully nothing will happen next episode to ruin that for me. Cause I really like it in my own head cannon. Um, who knows? Who knows? Very profound ending. Very thoughtful ending. I really, I really liked it. Can't wait for next week. Um, next two episodes are four days apart. The day after this episode airs, we get the the eleventh episode, and then on Monday after that, we get the finale. The big finale comes out on May the fourth. So we're the end is nigh, my man. And I wanted to ask you, you have any, you have any finale plans? Um, finale plans. I, I am tempted to go right from the finale into episode three, into the premiere of Star Wars Rebels. Really? Okay. So you wouldn't do, I'm tempted to rogue one or solo. I wouldn't do solo. No. Okay. And rogue one is after rebels. So, um, I'm, I'm tempted to, but I also, you had mentioned, that this has pretty much made itself a definitive Star Wars story for you in terms of a rewatch of the saga. Uh-huh. Would you now really seeing how concurrent it unfolds with episode three, would you watch this before episode three or after? And I guess it's going to be hard to make that call until we see the finale of this arc. But as it is, I'm, I'm uncertain whether I, I guess I would do it before. Um, I mean, but it I'm depends sure on what we see in these that next two episodes. the real answer is like, 
all right, watch the first 10 minutes of this episode, then stop. Then watch thir- right. then watch 30 minutes of episode reasonable. three. <laughs> um, yeah. I would say that you watch the Mandalorian arc, the, the Siege of Mandalore arc, then you watch episode three. Yeah, I, I suspect that'll be my uh, my opinion of um, it as, as well. And also, I mean, you know, it ends on a Monday, so that kind of caps my ability. I'm actually really excited to TV do, day, and we I haven't even talked see. about this, to do a, um, episode three uh, look back, now knowing what we know of the Siege Boy, of Mandalore. Oh I love that that's something I would. Uh, that's something I would really enjoy to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be... I mean, I love episode three so much. It is one of my it is one of my absolute favorite Star Wars movies. Um, a big, I, I think, a lot of what I get out of that movie is Clone Wars does bolster it a lot, and it'll be interesting to watch episode three, knowing that the Clone Wars is yeah. complete. So I, well, to answer your question, um, I am going to. Other than crying, <laughs> do you have finale um, plans? Is what I should have said. I know that that's my finale plan is probably. Yeah, I I definitely don't have the time to do the four episodes and episode three. So I might either do the four episodes and then watch episode three the next day or I'll watch the last episode and then immediately watch episode three because it is. Yeah, I was only going to watch the last episode on the finale. uh I think. Interesting. Yeah, I. I, I think I'll probably do what you're doing is I'll watch the la- the series finale and then I'll watch episode three for sure. And then I'll purchase, I don't know, a hundred dollars yeah. worth of stuff on, uh, May the 4th <laughs> for May the 4th. I got, I, I may have gotten my May the 4th day purchase in early. I ordered the rise of Skywalker soundtrack on, on vinyl. Um, that'll be getting here. Yeah. I tomorrow, which is, but I don't know about if there's anything I want that bad Star Wars wise to buy on May the Fourth. Though Mondo might put something I'm out. I'm curious if. Um, well, I think that her universe might have some stuff. Um, oh, good point. Yeah. They always have some cool shirts. And I might get something from there. And then the other, mm-hmm. if they have like a um, discount on Episode Nine for that day, I'll probably buy Episode Nine. Cause I still, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a copy of it. Uh, I have it. an Apple TV, so I, it would, mm-hmm. you know, be on my, on my Apple account. I wouldn't buy a physical copy of it. Gotcha. Um, but those are some, some like shirt or something. I imagine I'm going to buy on May the 4th. Yeah. I'm not, um, all of my Star Wars toys and stuff are dog toys basically. <laughs> right. Well, maybe Petco will have a sale. Yeah, I think my favorite one, which will probably infuriate listeners, is um, at Star Wars Celebration, they had a, uh, a mall plushie where the legs, were, you could do all the different type, types of legs. So it had like his robot legs, his spider legs, and then his normal legs. And I, that is just a, a dog toy for my dog. <laughs> yep, classic Pete. So, Josh, do you have anything else? No. No, I, I don't think I do. All right. Well, if you'd like to reach us, poboyspodcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram and Twitter are at poboyspodcast. And see you Monday. Bye.